Jesus said, in the world you'll have tribulation, but in me you'll have peace. Pastor Xavier Reese with The Simple Truth. God has purpose to use every situation of life to make us more like Him. When steel is forged in fire, it would seem that it would destroy it, but in fact it does just the opposite. It makes it strong and effective for its use. And so the same with believers. As we're tried and tested, He strengthens us to be forged for the purposes of God. Tried and true. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. For some, choosing to make peace with God doesn't come until on their deathbed, if they are fortunate enough. But the simple truth is we can experience peace right now, having been justified by Christ. And coming up, Pastor Xavier illustrates through our study in Romans chapter 5. Peace with God is just one of many benefits we receive, having gained access to the Heavenly Father through the work of Christ the Son. Let's listen. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Now, having established the doctrine of justification, Paul moves on to present the person who has believed and received the provisions of Jesus Christ for their justification before God. In verse 1 through 5, he gives the benefits of the justified sinners. Then in 6 through 8, he gives the love, the justified sinners. And then in verse 9 through 11, the salvation of justified sinners. What we're going to do is we're going to focus on examining verse uh, 1 through 5, the first portion, the benefits to a justified sinner or justified sinners. First, the believer has peace with God, verse 1. Therefore, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Only by Jesus can a person have peace with God. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says, For it pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth, things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Is that amazing? Having made peace through the blood of his cross. Very, very important. So, if you're trusting anything but the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, then you're trusting in something false. Very important. The justified believer has peace with God. Second benefit. The believer has presence before God. Look at verse 2. The Apostle Paul declared that the personal mediator of the justified person is also Jesus. Two words, through whom. Paul consistently proclaimed as to who is responsible for allowing sinners to come before the Father. The pronoun whom is reflexive pointing back to Jesus Christ in the previous verse. And the scripture teaches that Jesus is the only one who reveals the Father. John 1.18. No one else does. He's the only way to the Father. John 14.6. Paul is saying that Jesus had two roles in bringing sinners to the Father. First, he was a sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins. He justified us. Second, he was a high priest, the go-between to present us to the Father. Everything in the Old Testament spoke of Jesus. Sacrifice, the tabernacle, everything there spoke of Jesus. The high priest spoke of Jesus. He is the only mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5. 
Now notice the Apostle Paul declared that the privilege of the justified person to be ushered into the sphere of grace is before the Father. Also, we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand. The pronoun we identify as a Christian, the believer, who due to having peace with God, now also has access to God. The word access is made up of two words. The first word is, again, pros, facing, and the second, a go, which means to bring. The words together mean the act of bringing a person into the presence of a third person. This is what Jesus did. It was used for ushering someone into the presence of royalty. It was also used in secular documents of a ship coming into the harbor to be at rest in the landing stage of a ship also in the harbor. The tense is perfect tense. Have a permanent access that the justified sinner has before God. Now the means of the access, again, is by faith. Notice that, the same word for justified. Faith, the conviction on the finished work of justification by Jesus, able to come before the Father. I come on the basis of what Jesus did, not me. Therefore, Hebrews says, 10, 19, and 22, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest of, by the blood of Jesus. You enter him by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil. Now listen, that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from the evil conscience and our body washed with pure blood. That flesh of Jesus was torn. It represented the veil, the Old Testament, all types, right? The priest could only go into the one place, holy place, once a year into the Holy of Holies. That veil has been rent from the top by the way to the bottom. God rented in the temple. The new way has been made. Jew and Gentile one. One provision. One name. One person. Whoa. The blood. Notice the sphere into which the justified person is introduced to is the state of grace in which we stand. Underline that. We are saved by grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, Romans 3, 24 says. We continue to grow in grace. Romans 5, 2 tells us we have access and also 2 Peter 3, 18. He is assured that the free gift of grace is all abounding. Who's he? Every believer. More than the offense. He'll tell us that in chapter 5, verse 12 on down to 21. What first Adam did in messing us up, the last Adam made it a lot better. It's more effective. The word stand is in the perfect tense. It began in the past at the point of faith and continues into the present and the future. So before the cross, we do nothing. Now in chapter 5, you're on this side of the cross. You're justified. All right? Now you're a participant. Right here you did nothing. Now you must abide in Christ because you're justified. You're no longer an enemy. You're no longer at war with God. You have access to God. Wow. Grace is the harbor at which a justified person rests in the landing stage that provides him access to the presence of God at all times. Notice the Apostle Paul declared that the practice of the justified person based on his privilege of being in the presence of God is to joyfully anticipate what God is going to do. Listen to the words. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This is not boasting. 
A believer is, cannot boast, nor should he boast in anything. Not even Abraham could boast. The word rejoice simply means to boast in God. That's the reference, the context. Before we look to our glory and what we can do and how we can benefit, now our thinking's different. And hope speaks of the future with purpose and benefit in contrast to the hopelessness that is without Christ. In the present life, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.10 says that we might walk in those works. The present life is to be used for the purpose and for the glory of God. The present life is to be absorbed with the will of God. The present life is to be lived out as a servant and steward of God. The present life is to be completely dependent on God, abiding in God. If I go buy you a ticket to St. Peter to go to Catalina, you've got to stay on the stinking boat to get to Catalina. Now, you didn't do anything to get on the boat. I bought you the ticket. All you have to do is make sure you stay on the boat. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me and I in you. Now, I don't have a problem with Jesus abiding. My problem is me abiding. <laughs> you understand? I'm on this side of the cross now. Very important. Is that works? Absolutely not. How can I boast? I came by what he did. But now I'm a child of God. I'm a participant, right? Wow. The justified believer has presence before God. Man, what a benefit. The third and last benefit is in verse 3 through 5. The believer has power through God. Notice in verse 3. The Apostle Paul declared that the justified person also glories in difficult times, knowing that they bring about, listen, stability. Our society is so unstable on every level. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces what? Here it is, perseverance, stability. Paul is not saying that Christians are masochists who enjoy pain and suffering, but rejoice in what God will do through the tribulation. Three times Paul uses this word, translated rejoice and glory on account of the things that God will do. In verse 2, we rejoice in the glory of God. In verse 3, we glory in tribulation. In verse 11, we rejoice in God. It's always in him what he's going to do. Notice Paul stated that the Christian rejoices knowing that tribulation brought about or allowed by God has a purpose. This is elementary. This is kindergarten, Christian. You don't belong to yourself. So what God's on the throne, he's not biting his nails. Whatever he allows or brings directly to your life, like Job, it's for his glory and for his purpose. You need to get that mindset. Now, you go do something stupid, it's all yours. Don't blame God for that. The word tribulation means oppressing, pressing together, and was used for crushing grapes and threshing grain from the husk, removing all that had no value or worth. And that's what God does through test and tribulation. It refines us. All this flesh gets burned up. Put it on the grill. Let it go up. The article is present. These tribulations and afflictions are natural for the Christian life. The church has been presented too much like Disneyland in America. Okay? It's time to get off the ride. Paul told the converts, the first missionary journey, listen, Acts 14, 22, we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. 
Today, people get evangelized. Like, hey, do you feel bad? Do you feel kind of empty? Hey, you feel you want to feel good? You want to you know you want to change your life? No, the gospel is this: you are under God's wrath. You're a sinner. You're an enemy, God. You need to repent, knowing that God loves you and died for you. And he alone can forgive you of your sins. And by the way, when you become a Christian, you have to enter the kingdom of God through many tribulations. That should be told to every believer, every new believer. It's fundamental. It's kindergarten. You understand? Paul states the purpose by the fruit produced out of the tribulation. One word. Perseverance. It means steadfastness. Let me give you another word. Stick to itness. It comes from the root word to remain under, transforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. You remain under. Remaining under is not merely enduring, not just biting the bullet, but having the right attitude, yielding to the productive and beneficial end that God is bringing. God doesn't want me to remain as I am. He wants to be more like him. He must increase, I must decrease, John the Baptist said. It's good for you and everybody around you. Trust me. Now notice verse 4. The Apostle Paul declared that the justified person cultivating perseverance will become a person. Here's a dirty word. A person of character. When's the last time you heard character, commitment, honor? And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Paul says a person of character is a tried and true person. Now, God doesn't prove you to find out if if you're going to trust him. God proves you so that you find out. He already knows. <laughs> He's all-knowing. The word character means to put to the test and to approve. A specimen of tried worth. Character is who I really am, not who I think I am or who others think I am. Who I really am. Private, not just in public. Character can only be brought about by God's work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. From day to day. Tests and tribulations do not make a person impatient, but prove them to be so. Tests and tribulations do not make the person impatient, it only proves them to be so. But what do we do? We justify it. Well, if he wouldn't have done it, I wouldn't. No, but what he did only proved who you are. You understand? Job says, when he tries me, I will come forth as gold, Job 23.10. You want to listen to this guy. You want to listen to men who have trusted God. He lost his children, all he had, afflicted from head to toe. Even though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Lord, give us a church full of Job's. The Lord tries the righteous, Psalm 11.5. Paul says that the justified person glories in tribulation because character then produces hope. There it is, the word again, hope. As we have seen, it comes from the word to anticipate, usually with pleasure. The future, the hope of the believers to see God work in their life. The hope of the believer looks to God for their life. The hope of the believer depends on God and abides in God. This word is found three times in our text. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God in verse 2. Character produces hope in verse 4. And hope does not disappoint as we move into verse 5. So now in verse 5, the apostle Paul declared that the justified person, listen, does not lose hope. Hope has nothing to do with your emotions. Emotions or feelings, 
Come and go. They have nothing to do with truth. You understand? So this has nothing to do with emotions. The justified person does not lose hope. Listen to the words. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured about in our heart by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. The hope of the believer is the certain hope based on God and his word, not himself. Hope is not, I hope so again, but I know so. The certain and sure hope of the gospel for justification, Romans 1, 16 through 17. The certain and sure hope of the provisions of the Messiah for justification, Romans 4, 18. The certain and sure hope that Jesus was raised from the dead for our justifications, Romans 4, 24 and 25. That is certain. That is sure. There's no guessing at it. The idea behind no disappointing is that the hope of God does not deceive, but rather his promises are true. Disappointment comes because somebody has said, I'll do this, then they don't do it. I'll be there at four to pick you up. We'll go to the park. They don't show up. I'm going to give you so much money. They don't. They don't, they don't do it. You're disappointed. God says something. He keeps his word on it. The hope of the believer is based on the character of God. He cannot lie. And so notice the reason is because the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. This is the first time love and the Holy Spirit appear here and are mentioned in the book of Romans. They're found throughout the scriptures, Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, many of the books. This is the personal experience of every believer that cannot be denied or refuted by anybody else. I was there when he saved me. Had nothing to do with my emotions. I've experienced the love of God shed abroad in my heart, my love for him because of what he's done. I love him because he first loved us. You understand? He initiates and we respond. The love indicated is God's love, agape. It is his love for us as he has saved us, not our love for him indicative here. The agape love of God has been poured out in our heart, the new heart, not the old heart. Jeremiah 79, deceitful, desperately wicked. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, the new heart, the new covenant. That will happen with the Jews when Jesus returns. It's happened to us now. We have the capacity to manifest agape love if we yield to it. Jesus cried out the last day of the great feast in John 7, 38. If any man thirst, let him come unto me, and I will, out of his innermost being shall gush torrents of living water. And then he gives us a commentary. And this he spoke of the Holy Spirit, which was not yet given to the churches of yet. God has given us his Holy Spirit, poured out his love upon us by the Holy Spirit. We can yield to it or not yield to it. It isn't forced upon us, but we have the potential. Every time that I yield to love, I pass the test. When I don't yield to agape love, I fail every time. Every time. When steel is forged in fire, it would seem that it would destroy it, but in fact, it does just the opposite. It makes it strong and effective for its use. And so the same with believers. As we're tried and tested, he strengthened us to be forged for the purposes of God. Tried and true. God has purpose to use every situation of life to make us more like him. First Peter um, 1, 6 through 7 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved for various trials, 
For the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Wow. That's normal for the Christian, Peter is saying. In chapter 4, verse 12 through 13 of 1 Peter also, he says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning fiery trials. Not just trials, fiery trials, which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice in the extent that you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you also may be glad with exceeding joy. The tribulations that come upon us are not even compared to the glories that will be revealed, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 17. Can't even compare them. Trials and tribulations and testings are the testimony of the Christian and the church throughout history. Let me just give you a little one of Paul. This is real Christianity. Listen, 2 Corinthians 6, 4 through 10. He says, but in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, tribulations, needs, distresses, strifes, imprisonments, tumults, labors, sleeplessness, and fastings, and by purities, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness in the right hand and the left hand, by honor and dishonor, by evil report, by good report, by as deceivers and yet true, as known, unknown, and yet well-known, as dying, and behold, we live, as chaste and yet not kill, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. <sighs> That's Christianity. Jesus told his disciples, these things I have spoken unto you, in me, that you might have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. Same word, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, John sixteen thirty three. Now this piece that Jesus speaks about is the peace of God for the situations of life. The peace of God that in our text here is no longer a war. I have access to the presses. But when Jesus promises about that peace we have from him, that's for life, sanctification, chapter 6, 7, and 8. We'll get into that. The hope of the Christian church and the Christian is Christ in his absence and at his coming. The Christian's hope is Christ, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. The Christian's hope is the anticipation of the blessed hope, the rapture, Timothy 2.13. The believer is to be known for his agape love. Agape love never fails. Believes all things, holds all things. Agape never fails. 1 Corinthians 13.4-8. Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have agape love one for another. John 13.35. Now, agape love doesn't mean that you don't oppose false teaching. It doesn't mean you don't confront people. It means that you're true to the word of God. It doesn't mean you're a wimp. It means you're a faithful servant. That's what agape love means. If you confront your child as a parent, it's because you love them. If you don't, you don't love them. You love yourself. You don't want to be bothered. The justified believer has power through God. Wow. Having established the doctrine of justification, the right standing of man before God, by the provision of Jesus by faith, Paul has given us some invaluable benefits for life here. The believer has peace with God now. The believer has presence before God. And the believer has power through God. What incredible benefits. What have we done for it? Simply believed. But now we're on the other side of the cross. 
Now we got to roll up our sleeves. <laughs> now, you know, you can't just sit. Incredible. Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing simple truths from Romans chapter 5 and listing the privileges afforded the believer who's been justified by the work of Christ. And you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And if you'd like a copy of today's message for further study at your own pace, or perhaps a copy to pass on to a friend, it's titled, The Blessings of Justification. You can request a CD for just $4. And this will include everything we heard the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is, The Blessings of Justification or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 